Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. This week we're talking about the North American Indigenous Games, the next edition of which are taking place on Mi'kmaq territory across the water in Nova Scotia from July 12th to 19th, 2020 in Halifax and Millbrook First Nation, over 5,000 participants from across North America. Of course, there'll be a contingent from Newfoundland and Labrador, and the Halibut team will be the largest from the province. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Mike Alexander, Regional Coordinator for the Aboriginal Sport and Recreation Circle of Newfoundland and Labrador. NAG is an international event, drawing Indigenous athletes from across Turtle Island. It's not only about what happens on the field, but also about young athletes being together as Indigenous people. It's also a big deal for Halifax. NAG 2020 will be the largest event of its kind ever to take place in the Nova Scotia capital. The man in charge of logistics is Brendan Smithson, Executive Director for Games Delivery. I spoke with Brendan Smithson about what the games mean for Halifax, the athletes, and for Mi'kmaq people. Our maximum number is 5250 of participants, and that doesn't include mission staff or coaches or, or sorry, our parents or anyone else who's visiting, friends and family. So uh, we're expecting we'll be way over 6,000 um, by the time we're done in Halifax. And uh, as you mentioned, it's a lot of logistics, um, getting kids into rooms, getting kids to games, to practices, to the cultural village, uh, to all those pieces and making sure everyone is safe and, uh, you know, welcome to where they are and enjoying their time here in Halifax and at the games. Uh, it's a great experience. It's a great opportunity for them to engage with their culture and other cultures and making sure that we uh, facilitate that as well. Now, let me ask you about uh, NAG itself. Um, uh, it's The first uh, NAG was in 1990, and at a certain point, the Americans broke away and set up their own group. But uh, I understand there are still they still come to NAG in addition to whatever arrangements they've made uh, themselves. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah, so the Americans do attend uh, NAG. Um, I'm not sure about the separation, I will have to say. I don't have that much history on, on NAG. Um, but they have attended, the, I've been to the last three, and they have attended all of them. Um, their delegations are usually smaller um, than the Canadian ones, um, just probably due to distance. Um, but uh, we're always excited to have that because it, uh, it's really nice that it makes NAG an international event, um, which is really exciting to have in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I suppose uh, because of location, this is the farthest uh, east uh, NAG has been. Uh, Toronto was the last, um, was the last games. Uh, so I suppose that um, we'll have more, even more Mi'kmaq participants this time than, than ever. Yeah, so um, this is the first time it has ever been on the East Coast. Um, this is the 10th NAG, and uh, most have been hosted in the West, except for 2017, which was in Toronto. Um, so it's very exciting to have it the first time in Atlantic Canada and uh, here in Halifax. 
Um, and this will be the largest delegation that uh, Team Big Mountain Nova Scotia will take to NAG. Um, so their previous record, I believe, was two, 260, which was in 2017, and this time they will be bringing 320. Um, and so that's just uh, athletes and coaches. And then uh, if you add on top the number of families that will be uh, coming to watch uh, and support, uh, we will be uh, definitely having records of the uh, number of big mom people at the games. Uh, it's a really great opportunity to have it out here. And the fact that, uh, you know, parents traveling hasn't always been possible with the distance that's involved. Uh, and being so close, they're going to have a great opportunity to support their youth and um, their kids and their friends and their family. And uh, I don't think there's going to be a better experience for these kids than when they get to walk in the opening ceremonies and having everybody cheer for them. Um, it's a really exciting moment, and uh, I know they're going to be everybody's going to be very proud of them. So, so in is Nag like uh, other events? Is it is it as formal as the uh, the Canada Games or events like that where people had to qualify, or is it more? informal in terms of how you get on a on a team uh it would be a more formal like um like canada games uh each region does tryouts um because each region has a maximum number they're allowed to bring uh and so they have to uh do tryouts to see to uh, make that number fit uh and make their team so i know um, some of the teams in the west for basketball have uh, three or four hundred people try out uh, for one team of uh, 14 players. So uh, it is quite a competitive process. Um, and obviously, some of the smaller regions don't have as many tryouts, but it is a competitive process going forward. And uh, so it does make it quite an honor to be part of uh, each of the delegations um, and, and just makes it more exciting when you're here. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some uh, some of the events, like I think golf is one of your games, and um as far as I know, it doesn't have an indigenous angle, but uh, are there some sports that are, we might think of as more uh, uh, indigenous events, lacrosse, for example, comes to mind? Yeah, so there would be three traditional, what we would consider traditional sports in connection with the indigenous community. So one would be 3D archery. Um, so at the Canada Games, archery is a stand and shoot, where 3D archery, we actually go through the woods and uh, actually shoot at 3D targets. Uh, it could be anything from like a, a little chicken to a bear uh, kind of piece. Um, there is also canoe kayak. Uh, one of the interesting things about canoe kayak at NAG, it's not the sprint canoes, which you would see in the Olympics, but the actual traditional canoes um, that would have been used. And if you had to compare, it would be com- comparable to something you would see at kind of a, a Canadian tire or a recreational canoe uh, that they use. And then, of course, as you just mentioned, box lacrosse and the, the tradition uh, with the Indigenous people in lacrosse. Um, is a, is very strong and, and one of the most popular sports at NAG. Uh, one of the interesting things that we're doing for the first time ever in, uh, in NAG's history is we'll be having a cultural component to each one of those three sports um, and, and celebrating the history and the connection to it. So uh, really excited to make that connection to uh, traditional sports and culture. Mm. Now, you have um, uh, you have 21 uh, venues, so that's uh, a, a lot of places where, where things are happening. And most of those, most of those, I would assume, would be in Halifax uh, or the Halifax Regional Municipality. Are some venues on in Mi'kmaq communities? Um, so uh, all of the venues except one is uh, uh, so two are all. Sorry, I'm try again. All venues uh, except for two are within HRM. Uh, there are two that are outside. One will be in Debert, which will be the rifle shooting at the base. And the other one will be 3D Archery, which will be hosted in Melbourne First Nation. Uh, so we're really excited to have that opportunity to host 
one of the uh, Indigenous events on Indigenous land. Um, and Millbrook has one of the best 3D archery courses uh, in Canada, so we're very excited to have it there and working with that community uh, for them to um, celebrate the sport and, and celebrate uh, the games overall. Uh, having worked with Millbrook First Nations as part of this, they are extremely excited to host this. Um, and it's one of the first times uh, in the past that something has been hosted on uh, First Nation lands, which is uh, really exciting for NAG to be able to uh, operate that. Well, Brennan, you'll have a lot of things to do between now and uh, next July. So uh, thanks for uh, for telling us about it. So when uh, the athletes, uh, in terms of registration, is there a certain date that people, that athletes had to be listed or what, what do the timelines look for for the for the games? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, the timelines for the game is is May sixteenth uh, is when the athletes have to be into our system, uh, and then about a month out is when they do their final registration. Um, so all the delegations are required to have all of their names into our registration system. And when I say all the names, that does include some reserve players, uh, which in the end might be um, eliminated just due to injuries or what else. Um, so it allows them to make a few last-minute substitutions because uh, some athletes do have things that come up, um, and so then it just allows us to have that. So about June, middle of June is where we will have the final, final rosters, um, and really excited to see those. Um, we do have a, at the end, uh, middle of January, we will get a great sense of uh, the number and the participating teams in each sport. Um, we have a general number right now, but they're a little bit more finalized by the middle of January, so we're excited to have those in as well. Great. Okay, Brendan, great to talk to you, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. Um, and one thing also, if I if just wouldn't mind me mentioning, would be around uh, volunteering. So as part of the games, you know, obviously this is a massive undertaking, and you mentioned the uh, number of athletes that we have coming here. Uh, we're also recruiting 3,000 volunteers as part of the event. Um, and with the volunteers, you know, it's, it's extremely important to have the number to be able to operate this, but also to create that warm and welcoming environment that uh, the Mount people are known for. And uh, we really want to make sure that we're creating that environment for all athletes. Uh, many of the athletes that are coming may have not left their community before, It'll be a first time on a plane, the first time in a new city, seeing a crosswalk, anything like that. And so uh, having some great volunteers is going to be an important part of making these games success. So uh, we're always in the process of recruiting uh, volunteers to be part of the games. And I suppose it could be a volunteer, could be someone who's coming to Halifax uh, for the for the event. So just because you don't live in the Halifax area doesn't necessarily mean you can't be a volunteer. If you're there for those days, I'm sure there is something for someone to do should they be interested. 100%. Uh, we actually do have some volunteers from across Canada and some in the U.S. that uh, are actually parents or friends or family that are coming that are, uh, have some time and would like to volunteer as part of it. Um, they def they see a value in the event and want to be part of helping out just beyond watching um, their, their friends and family participate. So um, it's a really great opportunity for anybody who uh, is coming to the games to be able to help our, uh, volunteer as well and uh, get you a little bit more connected and, and, and meet some new uh, friends and family and uh, people from around Turtle Island, which is really exciting. And volunteers can register on the NAG website if they're interested. We on the uh, NAG 2020 website, so our website is uh, nag2020.com. Um, there's a link that says get involved and right there you will find the volunteer link and um, just submit your name and then uh, the volunteer team that we have here at the office will connect with you and find uh, the best uh, the best fit for yourself that, uh, um, that you would enjoy being part of. And some people are very connected to one individual sport or being part of the cultural piece. There are 
so many volunteer opportunities that, um, you know, it, it'll fit for anyone. Brendan Smithson, Executive Director for Games Delivery for NAG 2020. Athletes from Newfoundland and Labrador will have a major presence in Halifax. Working from Stephenville, Mike Alexander is busy on putting together Team NL. He's regional coordinator for the Aboriginal Sport and Recreation Circle of Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, my position is the regional coordinator for the Aboriginal Sport and Recreation Circle of Newfoundland and Labrador. It's a volunteer board um, that's made up of eight members two representatives from each of the four indigenous nations um, in Newfoundland and Labrador, which would be the Southern Inuit, um, the Inuit from Northern Labrador, uh, the Inu Nation, and um, the Mi'kmaq on the island portion of the province. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess uh, at this uh, point, uh, NAG would, would, would be one of your big uh, activities and what you're preparing for. It is. Um, for NAG is essentially almost like the Olympics for Indigenous athletes in North America. It's one of the highest levels that many of them will get to. Now, some some of the athletes there will actually go on and compete at even higher levels in mainstream sport. But the vast majority of the athletes, this is probably the pinnacle of the athletic accomplishments that several of them are going to take part in. Um, but that being said, our organization has also made history I think in the past few years by entering provincial uh, team indigenous into some of our provincial games and we've done exceptionally well and in fact last summer there was the first time ever was the Atlantic indigenous games and team indigenous Newfoundland also sent a contingent to that and had exceptional success. Mm. Now uh, uh, I think there are 14 uh, activities in uh, in NAG, uh, some of them um, kind of mainstream activities like golf yeah. And then we have more indigenous-oriented, like lacrosse, uh, archery, etc. Uh, yeah. Do you expect the the team from Newfoundland and Labrador to be in all 14 activities or uh, uh, just a no. portion of them? Yeah, no. It's actually, uh, technically, it's not possible for us, for our team, to enter all the events right now because there's a cap on how many athletes we can, we are allocated to enter into the North American Indigenous Games, and that's based on a formula that um, that the NAG has in terms of the members. And I don't actually know the details of the formula, but I do know that we're capped this time. I think it's 118 athletes. So we had to, we, the, the board had to actually make a decision as to which sports we would be competing in. And they based that decision based on a poll and checking with our communities as to where we have most of our competitive athletes, the sports that most of our athletes are involved with. So um, what the board decided was that for this time, for NAG 2020, we will be sending uh, athletes to compete in the badminton, in athletics, in volleyball, in wrestling, in beach volleyball, in swimming, and all of those sports listed, there will be male and female athletes. And there will be also, um, the first time we'll be entering male basketball at the games as well. Hmm. So um, ath uh, athletics, is that uh, track and field, or what is that exactly? The athletics is going to be the track and field events, um, like you have your shot put, your 500, your, your discus, your javelin, your 100 meter, your 200 meters, your relays, all of those types of races and events, that's what will comprise the athletics. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I suppose that Halibut being, uh, depending on who you ask, either the largest or the second largest First Nation in Canada would have the largest number of uh, 
of athletes in the Newfoundland and Labrador group? Yes, they do. Um, the teams are not completely finalized. We're in the process now of finalizing members of the team, uh, but we have a rough idea of how many we expect to be um, members of the Halapu band, or you know, uh, that'll be, that'll be comprised the team. So if we're looking at 118, we're we're somewhere between 55 and 60 of those members uh, will probably be Mi'kmaq, and uh, most of them, I think most of them will be from the Halapu band. Although. Yeah, there might be some from um, from Khan in that number as well. I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you choose the members of the team? Uh, I know that in basketball out west, uh, that uh, there are uh, you know tryouts and a very competitive selection process. Is it the same for your team, or is it more informal? Uh, no, it's very it's it's very competitive, and it's like. It's very uh, it's very structured overall. Um, I mean, just to give you an example. Um, we've got two of the highest level basketball coaches in the province that are working with our team. Um, the Mun Varsity coach and uh, the Newfoundland Labrador Basketball Association technical director. And they've had a number of camps. Um, they actually took. They were part of our team that we went to the Atlantic Indigenous Games this summer. So through that, and they've got, and there's another assistant coach from Labrador as well. And so just by that process alone, they're getting ready for. They've they've pretty much nailed it down to almost the final team. But those kids, those athletes, had a number of tryouts to attend. Um, and to give you an example for another sport like like the badminton one, um, we will be. I've had several visitations uh, to the communities where I've assessed the athletes that have a good potential to be on the team. We did take a team to. The Atlantic Indigenous Games as well, and um, we're going to be having a, a final tryout in Goose Bay sometime early in the new year. But um, it's very competitive, and one of the things you have to remember is that w- since we've been going to NAG, uh, Team NL has been one of the strongest teams there for for its size. Like we send, we've been finishing. I think the last two games we finished in the top eight out of twenty teams. And that's with far less members than some of the other teams. Um, because most of the teams, I think if not most, all of the teams that finish ahead of us are going in with way more athletes, 50, 60, sometimes hundreds more. Um, and we're still able to compete with, with teams that are much, much larger. So um, we've had an exceptional record. But that means that, of course, we do put an emphasis on quality and structure and training and preparation for our athletes. Mm. Now let's talk about the uh, the non-sport uh, aspect of NAG because uh, for uh, many athletes uh, they'll be uh, in Halifax uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Uh, be a big place for someone coming from a from a small from a small town. So. Um, uh, I guess it's one of those transformative experiences where later in life we we would think of that moment and how important it was uh, uh, in our in our development. Yes, NAG is a very very unique sporting opportunity. When the athletes are in their field of play, they're giving a hundred percent. Their their job is to do as best as they possibly can given their abilities, their training, their preparation, and they want to win. However. When they're not in their field of play and competing, we have a cultural village and we have a very different environment for the athletes to be around. In fact, I've seen many athletes uh, networking and, and other athletes from other teams encouraging them on. Like it's, 
it's a very different culture. And a lot of our coaches and athletes that have participated in Canada Games have preferred the experience of the North American Indigenous Games over the, even the Canada Games because of what happens off of the field of play. Uh, it's it's a much it's a much there's a lot more camaraderie, there's a lot more support. Um, the cultural village, the experience of interacting with a number of people from a variety of different indigenous groups across North America, sharing, seeing the different cultures, different um, different tra- different traditions. It, it's it's just a totally different experience, and it has impacted a lot of the athletes tremendously. Like I've tracked many of them over the years, and I see so many posts that some of them put on Facebook saying that that was the best experience they've had in their life. Now, let's talk about the money. Of course, nothing happens without uh, without uh, cash. So uh, I guess you, uh, NAG doesn't provide the Newfoundland Labrador delegation with uh, travel accommodation costs, so you you raise that money yourself uh, from from the bands, from parents, fundraising, uh, whatever. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, anytime you move people in any event, there is a cost involved. And the same with every time we do go to the North American Indigenous Games. Um, we've been very fortunate that most of our most of our partners, in terms of our Indigenous um, uh, bands and in, in Indigenous groups in the in, in the province, have been extremely supportive. And um, this has resulted in in us being able to take these athletes to the event. We always try to endeavor to reduce the costs for the athlete as much as possible. And we do receive provincial funding, uh, which we, in turn, um, direct towards subsidizing the athlete's cost. Um, And then we do look to the different Indigenous governing bodies to help provide that support as well. And um, uh, last time was the first time that we received funding from one of these four, like um, the Holubu Band. So we're hopeful that 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 support will continue. Um, And the others, uh, most of the other athletes from the other Indigenous groups have been fully funded in the past. So uh, that's without that support, we just simply could not take these kids there in, in many of these circumstances. Mike Alexander, Regional Coordinator for the Aboriginal Sport and Recreation Circle of Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Meobigag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.